Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached on Sunday, May 3rd, 2020. The preacher was me, the rector of Holy Communion, the Reverend Mike Angel. In the name of the one living and true God, amen. A few years ago, Peter Senge, the MIT professor, and Brian McLaren, the Christian writer, were killing time on a video chat, waiting for someone else to join a panel that Brian was moderating. How many of us know this space of killing time, waiting for the video feed to pick up these days? McLaren asked Senge about the decline of the church and the growth of Buddhism in our country. And Senge said, I wonder if Buddhism is so attractive because at least here in the West, Buddhism presents itself as a way of life while Christianity portrays itself as a system of belief. A way of life. Today, Jesus tells his followers, I am the gate. A few chapters earlier in John, Jesus said, I am the way. That comes in response to Philip, who is worried about how the disciples will follow Jesus after he leaves them. How will we know the way, Philip asks. Jesus responds, I am the way. What if we thought of Christianity less as a system of belief, and more as a way of life. What does it mean to live a Christian way of life in a pandemic? I've been reminded by some of my elders in the LGBTQ community that this isn't the first pandemic folks have endured. I wanna share two images, both of them from Christian cathedrals, both in New York City from that earlier AIDS pandemic. I'm gonna put parts of them up on the screen. The first image comes from St. Patrick's Roman Catholic Cathedral in Midtown in Manhattan. The Archbishop in the late 1980s, Cardinal John O'Connor is featured in this ad for um, for the protests that was going to happen. And Cardinal O'Connor often preached during the worst days of the disease about his system of belief his so-called Christian opposition to homosexuality based on his belief. And there are iconic images of the cathedral that we have from the time that happened in late 1989. In the church on a December Sunday, 111 activists were arrested for staging a die-in. During the mass, in response to the preaching, they stood up and shouted, you are killing us before laying down in the aisles and then being carried out by police officers. The second image, it comes from the Episcopal Cathedral, St. John the Divine. It's a little farther north in Manhattan in Morningside Heights. And St. John's is across the street from what was then St. Luke's Hospital, which during the early days of HIV AIDS would take patients other hospitals refused. The Episcopal Cathedral had a similar reputation. They were known for the way they prayed with folks others refused to come near, for the way they advocated funding and research and treatment. 
the image that I have of St. John, the divine's response to HIV is their AIDS chapel. Uh, it's their huge triptych, the last major work of the artist Keith Haring. This is an image of that altarpiece. And this altarpiece, it's one of my favorite works of art. And the typical stick figures that Herring was known for, one of them is Jesus. Others have the wings of angels, but the whole thing just seems to dance. Joy and hope, even in the midst of disease. Herring's foundation donated the work to St. John the Divine, the cathedral, after the artist himself died from complications of AIDS. They donated the altarpiece in Thanksgiving for the way the cathedral responded to the pandemic. I don't share these two images to contrast the Catholic response and the Episcopal response generally. I know there were Catholic priests and nuns and lay folk who did incredible work during the worst days of HIV AIDS. And there were Episcopal clergy who preached some pretty homophobic sermons in those years. But the contrasting imagery of the two New York cathedrals highlights what is at stake in a pandemic. One congregation was known for proclaiming its beliefs. The other was known for the way it lived its faith. When they write the story of these years, what images of church will they use to illustrate the pages? Will our faith be remembered as a contest of ideas or a way, a way of getting through, a way of treating one another, a way of living in these days? This Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, is often called Good Shepherd Sunday. You might have picked up on that from the number of times that we've heard hymns about the shepherd. We traditionally hear a story about the Good Shepherd from Jesus, and we read the 23rd Psalm. That Psalm is always being recited in hospitals. And right now it's being recited by priests with folks over the phone who are dying physically alone during the pandemic. We know something in these days about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. To be honest with you, the shepherd image isn't my favorite image from scripture. I have sympathy for the prayer in the new reformed Jewish prayer book that says, my Lord is not a shepherd and I am not a sheep. Today, I'm glad that Jesus mixes his metaphors. Jesus starts talking about the good shepherd, but ends his story by saying, I am the gate. I am the way through. I am the way out. One more thought before I leave you. Jesus ends by saying, I am the way through. I am the gate. But he begins by cautioning the disciples that thieves will break in to try to steal and cheat. Remember, Jesus also lived in a time of crisis. The Roman occupation of Palestine was not well received in Jerusalem, in Galilee. There was a real threat of political revolution. I wonder whether Jesus' words about thieves and outlaws, whether they might be read as a caution to watch out for opportunists. There are folks who will try and exploit a crisis for political gain. There are politicians who will try and accomplish something they've been hoping to do while the public is looking the other way. There are elected officials who will try and use the spotlight of a crisis for their own political gain. 
I'm sure some of you were running through your mental tapes, back through press briefings, even as I spoke those words. Hold on to the letter from Peter's words about Jesus. And part of the reason we're doing this study of Marcus Borg on Monday nights about the heart of Christianity is to recover what Marcus Borg called the pre-Easter Jesus. We've left behind, in some ways, in Christianity, the real human being who walked our earth. Borg tells us that we have to hold on to the full humanity of Jesus because Jesus shows us what is possible. Peter notices that the fully human Jesus did not reply to insults with insult. He did not respond to those who caused him suffering with threats of revenge. Jesus, in the midst of crisis, offered a way of restraint. It's easy to point out how politicians are getting it wrong, but there's something on display publicly that we might also locate in ourselves personally. In a crisis, how many of us are tempted to demonstrate our ability to act, to prove to others, to ourselves, that we can get something done? There's some danger in, Christ in thinking of Christianity as a way, because then we might think of our faith as a series of actions, as a to-do list. The writer Sue Monk Kidd has said, to know exactly where you are headed may be the best way to go astray. Not all who loiter are lost. From what I know of Jesus, he loitered. He wasn't often in a hurry. He spent his time just being, being by himself, being with the wrong people. The disciples are often coming to try to find him while he's busy talking to the wrong kind of folk. Jesus didn't rush. And we are in a time when not rushing is important. Sometimes the best decision is to wait and to watch. We often celebrate heroic actions, we could use some awards for heroic restraint. I know it would be hard to figure out how to nominate someone. But the folks who choose to exercise restraint, the folks who slow down and focus on how they show up more than what they do, they might be the folks in this pandemic who save the most lives. Shepherds carry rods and staffs, after all, mostly to hold the sheep back. In the end, as much as I may not resonate with the image of the Good Shepherd, there's a reason the 23rd Psalm is so loved. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The rest of the Psalm is so beautiful, so bucolic, still waters, green pastures, overflowing tables. Isn't it telling that the line we most remember is the one line in the Psalm that tells us, God will be with us, our guide on the way through the darkness. Jesus tells his followers, the sheep know the good shepherd's voice. They won't follow the outlaws. For the good shepherd calls them each by name. The shepherd leads them on the way. If Christianity is to be lived, to be practiced as a way of life, know this. You don't walk alone. Pray for me and I will pray for you that God will keep us together on the way. Amen.